It's the mightiest quack. 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 All right, I'm going to use that. I like that. <laughs> cool. Intro. Done. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the Mightiest Quack podcast. My, my voice cracked a little bit there. <laughs> the Mightiest crack. Voice Crack <laughs> to start off the Mighty Quack. We uh, brought it up a few times on our other podcast, uh, the BDE Drink Podcast. The original idea was going to be called the Mightiest Quackiest Podcast. And that was way too much of a mouthful, so we scrapped that to just the Mightiest Quack. Brevity is the soul of wit, so... <laughs> Where we're going to go through and we're going to review and discuss all 26 episodes of the 1996 Disney cartoon, The Mighty Ducks, if we don't get bored. It's going to be 13 episodes, two, uh, 13 podcast episodes, two episodes discussed in each, which 13 podcasts doesn't sound like a lot. There's a good chance we don't finish this because that's just how we do things at the BDE Broadcast Network. Also, the logistics of us being together... 13 times, it might it might be over the course of a year. Yes, but also I figured we probably have to do Zoom calls for a couple of these. I don't yeah. know if we'll be able to do every in person. But um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that we both took notes. We did. <laughs> we did. Yeah, Mike is in a more official notebook. I have my bullet points on my notes app on my phone. But yeah, we both did take notes. We, we're taking this serious. If you're... If you're a part of this show, if you were, if you played a part in creating this, I hope you know we're coming at this with respect, and uh, we're gonna take what you did uh, seriously here, and we're gonna, we're really gonna have some analysis. And uh, so, so he mentioned me a little bit already. My name is Mike. You know me from BDE, and then along with me, I'm Tom. Uh, you might also know me as a guest of BDE, not a host. Um, also a listener of BDE. You, you'll probably know him best as the listener. He, we, we talk about him more episodes than he's been on so far, because as our only fan, he gets brought up a lot when we talk about Patreon. I didn't even... It's true, I am the official page, the only fan page. If you subscribe to the BDE only fan, it's just me. I didn't, I didn't even plug the BDE Twitter or the Patreon in the last episode we just did. I'm so out of practice with recording podcasts. <laughs> now, now we're on a completely different podcast and talking about it. <laughs> I mean that—that's literally how uh, we gotta stop talking CBB on. We gotta stop talking TMNT on CBB came up. Also, I want to get this out of the way now. People might think we're copying that, which is absolute poppycock. I have the receipts to prove that this idea came almost a year before TMNT on CBB came out. This has been a while in the making, a long time coming. Uh, we're excited to finally get it rolling. But yeah, like Mike's saying, this—this this has been. Something we wanted to do for a long time now. Uh, it hasn't been influenced by any other pop culture. Um, so we're going to review the first two episodes. Um, the first face-off, parts one and two. Fittingly, yeah. The, mm -hmm. the two-part special for this uh, review. Now, um, one thing I want to note is the episodes were aired out of order, which is a common practice for cartoons in the 90s. Um, the way cartoons used to be made, people would write them and animate them and they would get sent off to do animation so they would air them in whatever order the episode was finished production and not so there wasn't like any hype about release dates or anything like that was it just like they, they, they had a scheduled release date it was like every it was every friday at 6 p.m however like if you and i were the creators like for example one and two were in order and then on disney plus where you can watch it that's where we're watching it Episode 3 
was actually originally like written chronologically episode five. Okay. But they just finished making that episode first, so they had to bump it up. So the episodes we're going to be discussing are in a different order than the episodes on Disney Plus. But don't worry, if you go to our Twitter, which is at the Mightiest Quack, we're going to have a list of the episodes in the order that we're discussing them, so you guys can follow along with that. Uh, it's not going to matter much for this episode. I just want to bring that up in case everybody was wondering for the next one. So the first face-off, one and two. Tom, is this your first exposure to the Mighty Ducks cartoon? I never watched the series in full. Uh, I was aware of it. Um, Disney Plus definitely made it more accessible. Uh, hopefully this podcast makes it more accessible. The style of it, it it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's really entertaining and captivating. Um, but yeah, before this podcast, I never, I never watched it uh, in depth like I did now. How about you? Um, I watched it a little bit as a kid, on and off. It's not like, as an adult now, I can sit down and watch all of the episodes in a row and like follow the plot. As a kid, I just watched it when it was on. However, I enjoyed it enough that I only have three VHS tapes like in my possession. One of them being uh, The Crow, starring Brandon Lee, uh, T2 Judgment Day, and the third one being the Mighty Ducks cartoon movie, which is just the first two episodes and the finale edited together into one <laughs> hour-long episode. <laughs> was that released after the conclusion of the Yes, series? that was released after the conclusion. I'm going to go grab the DVD. Okay. Gonna... <laughs> yes, that was released after the, the show ended. All right, and uh, right now you can't see. Mike isn't actually getting the DVD. He just stood up. He's doing a dance. Uh, you could only describe it as a duck flying over water. And that's right. Mike is currently flying over his sink. He's levitating, currently flapping his arms quick enough to keep him above the ground. And now he's stopped, and now he's going to get the DVD. Or VHS, rather. Uh, this predates DVDs. And we'll hold for Mike. Ta-da! Mike's back. And this isn't the sleeve. This is the actual case. This is extra nostalgic for that case. I have the actual VHS tape. I'm trying to figure out what year... It was released. Um, it does not say, but I was expecting it to be like copyright 1997, which would prove it came out after the show ended. But uh, I don't know. It does not say. Anyway, so this is. It says the first face off on the bottom, <coughs> but the Mighty Ducks, the movie, is the first two episodes and the finale edited together to one complete movie which fun fact because the episodes were aired out of order the series finale aired six episodes before the last episode <laughs> and then what did they do with the next it was just five random non like continuity relevant episodes <laughs> afterwards which, right. i haven't got that far i don't remember maybe they defeat lord draconis and then it's just five episodes of them just playing hockey against, like, Tampa Bay Lightning or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a big sell for this. If you're a hockey fan, like, as a kid, you must have loved this. I was never big into hockey. Mike, are you a, a hockey fan? I am now a hockey fan, but I got into hockey after this. I got into hockey after watching the 2010 Winter Olympics. 
where USA got second place losing to Canada in Canada. I watched that whole hockey tournament. I was like, oh, wow, hockey's cool. And then I got into hockey. Um, but let's see here. What notes do I want to start off with this? Okay, first off, I'm going to get this out of the way now. Hannah, you are my international expert. How do you say duck in French? Um, it's canard. It's canard. Well, okay. with an American accent, because usually you don't really pronounce the R. It's like canard. Canard, okay. Yeah. And how did they say it in the show? Um, they said it like, kind of like a mix between canard and Connard. Canard and Connard. And what is Connard? So to be clear, yes. when you say how do they say it in the show, you're not they don't say duck in French. One of the characters' name is Connard. Yes. Right. And how do they say that character's name is your Yes. But Connard in French is asshole. Oh, so got it's it. It's just it's towing a line there. <laughs> with the um I think that's what awoken Hannah to the um fact that we were watching a cartoon. She was kind of out of it. I'm gonna... So, so at the very beginning of the episode, after the cop shows up and their manager's trying to explain everything and he's explaining how there's, like, evil dinosaurs and dragons or whatever, Hannah goes... A very casual conversation. Yeah, just re- real easy, talking over donuts. Hannah goes... <laughs> that he got out of a filing cabinet. She looks up from her phone and goes, There's evil? I thought this was just about hockey. <laughs> There's evil. Oblivion. I thought this was just about hockey. I didn't know there was, like, space aliens. There's space aliens. Not There's only are there space, space aliens. I thought it was just Mighty Ducks, you know, Like Emilio Estevez. <laughs> yeah. Which is, to me, the most ridiculous part of this whole show. So this came out after the first two live-action Mighty Ducks cartoons. So someone at Disney was like... If you watch those two movies and were hoping for something similar... You will be severely disappointed. <laughs> you will be confused and disappointed. But I can just imagine someone going up to Mr. Disney, Bob Iger, is like, hey, Bob, I, I got a pitch for you. You, you, know, you know the Mighty Ducks hockey movie? You know how it did really well? And then we had a sequel, and it did really well, and now we own the Anaheim Ducks uh, professional hockey team who's doing really well. You know what I think this franchise needs? Alien dragons who play hockey, and Disney's like, "Cool, here's Disney money, make it happen." How did? I wonder how that pitch meeting went. I if if I had to guess, somebody had a a, a script for a space alien drama. Disney gets it pitched. I think Michael Eisner is probably the CEO of Disney at this time. Okay, that makes so, sense. He probably gets this pitch thrown across his table. He also has in his other hand a folder for a Mighty Ducks cartoon. Somewhere along the line, he said, let's just combine the two. It doesn't make any sense to have this hockey team be out of space ducks. But let's just do it. And I, I, if I had to guess, it was two separate ideas. They knew they wanted a Mighty Ducks cartoon. They were pitched this alien cartoon. And they were morphed together into one. And uh, we are pouring another energy drink that's being caught. (laughs) Yeah. We have... um... So this came out a little bit after the Turtle Mania craze. So I don't don't think they're necessarily trying to play off the the success of the Ninja Turtles. However, 
the guy who wrote most of the outlines of the script and was like the creative director, um, I believe his name was David Wise. He also wrote for the original 1980s TMNT cartoon, and it turns out that he reused a lot of the scripts and just rewrote them to fit this universe. Okay. And um, I don't have the, the quote in front of me. I don't have the interview up. But he was saying that he had to, like, during writing season, he would have to, like, write an episode a day. So it got to the point, he was like, everybody in the industry does it. When you're writing for six shows at the one time, you just share ideas, spin around enough. That's just how kids' cartoons went. Which, which is fine, because kids' cartoons, like, kids are not paying attention. If anything, they might think it's cool that the Ninja Turtles and the Ducks are doing the same thing. But he, um, quoted, uh, and it, he was quoted saying that he shared episodes between... Ninja Turtles, The Mighty Ducks, and the Transformers cartoon, because he worked on all three of them, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Here we go. That's, um, I'll take it out of the way. Okay, this, this is something I wanted to bring up. What type of, we're talking about the Mighty Ducks here. What type of species are they? They're an interdimensional duck-human hybrid. Interdimensional duck. Um, a lot of people refer to them as aliens. But it's interesting that you said half human because I, I have I have a quote here. Let me pull this up. I I, I took a screenshot of this quote, so I had it. Um, it is screenshots. Here we go. Nope, not that one. Um, this is from a press release that Disney put out, uh, per courtesy of Miss Laurel Whitcomb of Buena Vista Television, which. If you recognize that name, she's now the vice president of the Emmys. She worked her way up from just doing uh, media distribution for Buena Vista and is now the VP of the Emmys, which I thought was interesting. Oh, good for her. Um, mixing action, comedy, hockey, and ducks in ways that have never been attempted by humans, The Mighty Ducks follows the adventure of six young half-human slash half-ducks. Okay. So the official press release in two different press releases mentions them as Half-human, half-ducks. But at the same time, it was mentioned that Puck World has been around for thousands of years because Lord Draconis got put in limbo for 2,000... It said thousands of years, which is at least 2,000. So in terms of evolution, they are very primitive duck-human hybrids. My, my thing is... Is this what we evolved from? They are or... expressly half-human, half-duck. So... And they're in a completely another universe. They're in a different dimension. Did humans go there? Did they come here? How are they related to our humans? That's an excellent question and one that I don't think either of us are capable of answering. We could speculate. Because that's the thing. Because they've been around for at least, at least 2,000 years. Which means at some point, this is 1996, so some point about four years... Before the death of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Four years before the death of Jesus Christ. They existed. So did... And this is just assuming that one day human was like, Okay, cool. This I'm going to be half duck now. And just civilization just popped into existence. Are we descendants of them or are they descendants of us? That's a great question. If their world only existed for a thousand years, it's, I think, safe to say we are descendants of them. Because in their universe, time is different. Or their timeline started mm -hmm. only a thousand years ago when ours st started mm -hmm. much earlier than that. 
So I'm going to say we evolved from ducks now. I don't think we came from apes. Which means at some point, either they traveled here or we traveled there thousands of years ago. And it's, just, it's not addressed in the first two episodes. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting light to keep an eye out for in future episodes <laughs> to they, see. They might circle back. And it, it's it's not out of the realm of what the show's established to have duck and human breeding. There were multiple sexual references to the female ducks in this show where humans were attracted to the female ducks. Just you wait. Did you watch the next episode yet? Only the first two. I watched when I first got Disney Plus uh, back on last Black Friday. I accidentally watched the next episode, episode three, which is actually episode five out of order. And they have a femme fatale duck in that episode. The amount of stuff that is brought up about that duck. <laughs> We just have to wait for that episode. But, um, real quick, we've just been talking about it, and we haven't given a rundown for our viewers. Um, so if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's only two episodes. It takes, like, 40 minutes. If not, long story short, there's a planet called Puck World. There's ducks who eat, breathe, like, play hockey. It's their whole life. There's evil dragons. Someone defeats them using a special magical mask. They get sent away thousands of years later. The dragons come back. They get fought off and they end up in Anaheim, California when they escape their their universe. You're, you're caught up. And if you think that's a lot for a 20-minute show to explain, I think the writers did too because they create a character whose entire purpose is exposition to explain their backstory <laughs> as he's telling it to a cop who finds a newspaper saying, Mystery Ducks, cop still angry, and it's a picture of him. And this cop clearly knows... <laughs> these ducks but doesn't know enough about their backstory that he needs to have somebody sit down and tell him their entire backstory while he leaves to get food and comes back the guy still keeps telling the story and doesn't reference that he left and got a bag full of fast food and after that food's not enough he goes and gets donuts out of a filing cabinet to continue to eat which I think is the, the, the funniest part about that is that the newspaper referred to them as mystery ducks as if nobody put together a they... team of six six-foot humanoid ducks fighting crime just happened to be the same type of duck and just showed up at the same time as the six six-foot humanoid ducks who play hockey in the National Hockey League. <laughs> They're a professional hockey team. They're ducks. Their team name's Mighty Ducks. But they're a mystery to this publishing newspaper. And even to the main detective who... I think it's his personal vendetta to find out who they are. As far as we're concerned, they haven't committed a crime other than existing. But, yeah. I think he's just a very by-the-books cop, and he doesn't like vigilantes. Because he's a police officer, he's right. law and order, he should be doing it. Right. Who are these ducks? They they don't have any training. You're exactly right. He, he is concerned about the vigilantism. Yeah. Like, like, that cop maybe has, I don't know six months worth of training on how to interact with people these ducks no training they just play hockey <laughs> they they are they've seen some more um they have but, seen quite a bit of war but to be fair they also didn't have much training for the war they were standing in a line some guy comes up to them <laughs> and says join the resistance except your brother then he allows that brother to fly a spaceship on his own this brother, as far as I can tell, has no spaceship training, but he joins the resistance and becomes a pilot that quickly. So, so what I originally noticed was, um, when I originally texted you about this months ago, I told you that they were, quote, in chains and shit, 
it's really depressing for a kid's show. Because they're like, there's the alien-like warlords, and they're all marching the ducks through. I rewound it, and I noticed none of them are in handcuffs, none of them are in shackles. They're just all walking with their hand behind their back, just holding it as if they were in handcuffs with their assembly line. As far as I could tell, unless there was a cut hours after an attack, they quickly give in to an assembly line style of... I'm not sure what it was, just to prove that somebody else has control and power over them. These ducks are now walking in a straight line. I also like the fact that this resistance leader wasn't like, we need to get more commandos, we need to get the Navy SEALs, we need to get Army Rangers, <laughs> we need to get this street hockey goalie <laughs> on our team. He's what this resistance Not needs. only that, I think I wrote down the quote. <laughs> they're, they're, they're giving out roles for everybody in this resistance. And then one person without special abilities is used as bait because he's the goalie who can take anything Draconis throws at him. That is the quote. You're a goalie in hockey. You could take anything this supervillain throws at you because you're a goalie and have no actual abilities unlike the five other people before who had special special abilities that they could use to... uh, Use electronics or things like that. I don't know, but you know what? He comes in handy, and nobody thinks he knows how to fly the plane. He flies that plane real well. He does. But um, another thing I noticed when he's going, and then the their manager, voiced by Jim Belushi, which I think was a big deal to have in the nineties. Like Jim Belushi was a name, so to have yeah, him as like an actual—that's a get. Yeah. Also, they had Rocky Horror as the voice of Lord Draconis, Tim Curry. Oh. Which. I'm sure kids in 1990 who were watching this weren't watching Rocky Horror, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's cool. They might have seen it. I think that's about the same time. Yeah, you're right. He did play Pennywise in it. But um, when as Jim Belushi's character was explaining, at one point he mentions that Puck World was named after their hero, Drake Duquesne, and I, I don't get the correlation between Puck World and Drake Duquesne. I don't get how they have to do... What do they have to do with each other? My only guess is the world existed without a name. It was just called World. There was a hockey player who was good. He was so good that they decided to change the name of the world not to him, but to what he played with, a puck? That's my guess. (laughs) I don't know how much thought was put into that decision, though. I, d- I don't know. Okay, also, it seems like we've spent the f- the majority of this podcast so far just tearing it apart, but this was definitely worth it. I, I loved this, this episode. Is, it was so good. This is such a fun episode. <laughs> it, it perfectly just instantly, you're thrown into the world, and you just gotta roll with you it. Know, just, you know what you're in for the minute you see it. And you know what? Despite all the exposition, there's still so much I don't know that I'm intrigued. Like, <laughs> I need to watch the rest of these 24 episodes. Yeah. Um, another piece of trivia... The theme song was sung by Mickey Thomas. Here come the Mighty Ducks. Here come the Mighty Ducks. Wait, I thought the theme song was Heroes with a Duck Bill, Mighty Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that theme song, Heroes with a Duck Bill, was um, sung by Mikey Thomas, who you might recognize as the lead singer of Jefferson Starship, who's most Jefferson Starship most well known for their song, We Built This City on Rock and Roll. Oh. That's the same guy who did that. Sang this theme song. Oh, wow. Another get? Yeah. Disney, they, I told you, they threw Disney money at this. 
Um, another piece of trivia that I have, I'm just going through my notes here. Um, when they were at the arena and they have the actual hockey scenes, they had an actual ESPN anchor, Roy Firestone, do all of the, the voiceover work for that. Okay. Which, I was too young to watch ESPN in 1996, but I'm sure at the time, like, someone's parent was like, oh, that's Roy Firestone, I watch hockey, I know him. Um, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if Disney owned ESPN at that time. I know they do now, but I don't know if at the, that time did they do that or did they just have to, like, make a deal with him. But, like, they, they have, like, actual people coming in to do these roles, which I thought was, like, very good for the world building. It just it made it seem like it was an actual hockey team. And um, they actually had um, the writers and the animators go to hockey games ahead of time to know what they were working on so they had an idea, which makes sense. You can't have a hockey show if you know absolutely nothing about hockey. What I will say about the hockey sense... It seemed like their opponents never played hockey before. <laughs> they were that good. They had to prove that these ducks were so good that they were skating circles mm-hmm. around these other teams. This, the other team they're playing against, they're putting three defenders on one person with the puck, leaving everybody else in the ice open. <laughs> it's simple mistakes you don't know. I get you have to establish how good these ducks are. But at least, at least make their opponents aware of simple concepts of defense and hockey but again this is a good show yes it's like we might be knocking it but we're knocking it because we care and we're invested yeah. and i'm going to i'm going to even if we don't finish this podcast i'm going to finish watching the series <laughs> yeah and we spoke about the interspecies um mm-hmm. sexualization yes and we also spoke about how the ducks are half human yes there are a ton of duck eating jokes which i thought was a really weird thing Oh, you to have <laughs> multiple you're... jokes about duck tasting like chicken, eating yeah. duck, cooking that duck. A lot of cannibalism jokes. If these are half human, way puppets. more than people make cannibal jokes on a day to day basis. Way more. Like if, like if I'm at a hockey, when I'm at a hockey game, not once have I ever made like you know what, Jim, I'll see you for dinner. I'm having you before I left. Not once have I made a cannibal joke to another person. <laughs> The only cannibal joke I can think of is is the sign language joke about the about the cannibals and, and the canoe. What's that? Uh, so, it, apparently it's it's funnier in, in in signs, but the gist of it is, uh, these cannibals they capture three humans and they get you get one last wish before we eat you. One of them asked for a pen so he could write a letter to his wife, say I love you, blah blah blah. The next one asked for his favorite meal so he could eat his favorite meal before dying, and then the last one asked for a fork. And then the cannibals were like, what do you need for... Oh, a big part of this was after eating them, the cannibals were going to use their skin to make canoes. Okay. That, that, I probably should have led with that. That's a major part of this joke. <laughs> because otherwise this punchline doesn't make any sense. But the punchline is essentially the, the third victim grabbing the fork and stab, stabbing himself just yelling, fuck your canoe! <laughs> Which in sign language is funny because he's just going like this. It's like body humor. But that's the only cannibal joke I know of. <laughs> Everything with all the different art. Okay, so one of the biggest things I noticed about the actual hockey game is, one, they have lightning in the pond. They have lightning in the arena. When the dome's closed, like, they have lightning bolts come out. I don't know how they manage that. I don't know if it's some sci-fi mumbo-jumbo from the gear underneath it, but they have, like, their own weather system within the dome of their hockey stadium. And that, that is something that happens in real life. The Tampa Bay Lightning have that. Oh, do they? <laughs> they do. I've never been to a Tampa Bay <laughs> 
Okay, that's okay. I that that's very cool. They must have gone to a Tampa Maybe, Bay game. My guess is Tampa Bay got that from the show. They must they must have taken the technology. They must have, they must have taken it. And then the other thing was at one point, um, who is the hotshot little brother duck? I forget his name. I don't remember any of the duck's name. I'm I, I, have, so I have to write the duck's name <laughs> down. It's not nosedive. Nosedive is his name. At one point in episode. Either one or two. I watched them back to back. The score is tied three to three, and he scores the winning slap shot um, to make it four three with only three seconds left. And he hits the puck hard enough, it bursts into flames before going through the hockey net. Next episode, when we come back, I'm going to have worked out the physics of how hard he needed to hit a regulation size hockey puck for it to go fast enough for it to burst into flames, because that's incredible strength. That is. That's. That's like, not only is it dangerous to the other opponents, but That's like... That's force level 10. <laughs> that is force level 10. But with that much strength, I'm sure he could be doing way more important stuff than playing hockey. I get playing hockey like a major deal to them, but think of all the good they could do to this world if they took the time playing hockey and they put it towards like, I don't know, like interdimensional relationships or just like feeding the poor. All yeah. of this time they put into hockey, they could be putting it towards like... Renewable energy, too. If you're creating fire that fast, the force you're putting, you could make some renewable, non-oil. So they go to, like, the equivalent of their Radio Shack, and they build they build this underground layer. Right. With stuff that they just got at Radio Shack. That's within the budget of the team. <laughs> Why? They need to share this information with the world. Yes. Like, if she can just build this... Um, Not only it's build... Tanya. If Tanya can just build this with over-the-counter material, think of how far civilization can come if this was just widespread. Especially if it's as cheap as being within the budget of an NHL team, the fourth most popular sport with, like, the smallest payroll out of all the four major sports in America. Um, we were talking about music before. Yes. And when uh, the castle or whatever, the building they're in, yes. Dracronus' lair, yes. when it explodes, they're flying away. Yes. A very similar musical beat to the Death Star exploding on oh. Star Wars. That's very clever. Yes. I thought, I'm not sure. It must have been a reference or an homage or something, but that is something I noticed. Okay, so, you know at that one point, Canard was like, you gotta take this mask. I have to go stop this worm because otherwise the worm's gonna destroy the whole dimensional yeah, ship. something with matter has to hit the yeah. worm. They said, oh no, we have nothing to throw it. Everything is strapped down. So this guy's first reaction is, I'm going to jump out the ship. <laughs> Instead of unstrapping something, like, quick, someone take off your hockey glove and throw it at this worm. He's like, nah, I got this. But Yeah, because it had to just be something with matter. It didn't have to be a living no, thing. No, it could have been a piece of metal. It could have been their shoe. But I bet he comes back. There's no way such a major character, like the leader of the resistance... Just disappears episode one and doesn't return. Yeah. It's a bold move. It's really passing the torch to the next guy. Um I don't want I don't know if we're skipping ahead to part two. There is something similar. Send it on part I think that's a part two note. My notes are kind of out of order. Just send it on. So with part two, we're talking about this mask. He gives it to the next guy. Mike, what's his name again? The guy gives the mask. Wildwing. Wildwing. Not to be confused with the actual Anaheim Ducks mascot, Wildwing. The Anaheim mascot Wildwing, I believe, is two words, and this Wildwing is only one word. That's the distinction between the two Wildwings. <laughs> right. So, Kennard gives Wildwing this mm -hmm. mask, which he has on him. Yeah. 
we cut to part two. Yes. He's fighting Draconis. Yes. He has this mask, which is the most powerful weapon in their, in the universe that yes. they established themselves. They can't stop talking about this mask. He forgets he has it on him as he's fighting Draconis until Draconis says the word mask. In which case, cut to a flashback of the episode prior, presumably not too far, I don't think much time passed, where he quickly remembers his dear idol, Kennard, handing him the mask as he falls out of the spaceship. Enough time has passed that they got enough money from winning every regulation game in a row that okay. they're able to build a layer to then detect Rocky Heart. Right. So, so I don't know, so I don't there, know how long that takes. There was time that passed. All right, so they did establish time fast. But still, he has the most powerful weapon, which he completely forgets he has in his pocket <laughs> until Draconis says mask. So, so I'm assuming that these ducks, like, they get out of their hockey gear when they're not fighting crime. It's time to, like, time to go to duck bed. They'll get in, like, their duck pajamas. I'm assuming he puts the mask away somewhere, preferably under lock and key to make sure no one gets it. That morning, he had to wake up, take, take his that. mask, stick it in his pocket, and make sure, like, I might need this today because we're going to it's hunt the most important Dracotis. thing. Yeah, you, you don't forget about that. And like, ah, I don't need it right now. And, okay, so at one point, when Lord Draconis turns invisible, they did an interesting thing where he steps in ooze. And when he's stepping, he they leave, like, green footprints for the viewers to see him instead of Wildling just putting on the mask so everyone can see him. Right. <laughs> Like, they, they chose one path. They chose the more difficult path to highlight how to show an invisible <laughs> character than just actually showing him with the already established most powerful gun. Yes. It's an interesting decision to make the power of the main villain being invisible because then the fight scenes without the mask or stepping in ooze <laughs> is just your hero. Just getting flailing. <laughs> Fighting air with no impending doom other than just a voice and then them getting hit out of nowhere. There's, I, there's no threat. <laughs> there is, but you can't see it. So it's not... I, I, he, He's the silent but deadly type. Yeah. There's the, the scene at the very beginning when they set him up as the distraction. I think this is right before he, he dons the mask. Draconis turns invisible and just picks him up by the neck. And it shoots to a scene from behind his back where you can't see Draconis because he's invisible. So it's just wild going, and it kind of looks like he's dancing two feet above <laughs> the air. Just And then he just jumps to the side. And just like, it makes sense, he's invisible. But I think it was a show like Jack Stone or Jack Power. It was something on Fox Kids, I want to say, like, circa 2004. When a character was invisible, they kind of did, like, a silhouette of him. So you can tell he's invisible, but you can still see him. Right. But no, not here. Nothing. He just they say they saved the cost on animation. Yeah, all all of the cost of animation went to Mickey Thomas of Jefferson Starship. <laughs> They're like we can't afford to animate Dracon. You are getting Wild Wings complete experience. You're not seeing a thing. <laughs> but another thing I learned in these press releases, which big into the lore, they they were going really hard on on this sci-fi like heavy almost Doom level lore to to get these people involved. The mask, which is not brought up in the cartoon, is a biomechanical cybernetic interface device. Okay. Which I thought what was an interesting mean? explanation. Um, biomechanical means it's somehow both flesh and robot. Okay. All right. Cybernetic, which is just a fancy term for computer. So it's electronic. Or... Yeah, it's it's person 
machine computer interface, which is just something you can interact with, and then device, which is a fancy it's, term for thing. Yeah. So there's no magical ability. It's a very technical thing that happens. Which, which brings up another point. If this is from thousands of years ago, and they had the technology... Like, what's-his-face made this? Drake Duquesne, I think was his name? Drake yeah. Duquesne. Drake Duquesne made this mask. And then they love it, hockey because of Drake Duquesne. Yes, and then hit it away, and he just made the one who was like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm not going to make more, I'm not going to like share this information, I'm not going to make more devices to, to protect the universe, and they just left it he at that. He made this one, one mask. He didn't mass produce it, just the one. Um, let's see here. I liked how their bus or shuttle mm -hmm. has a bill on the front. Like yes. That. <laughs> Th that reminded me very much of... I forget the name of it, but the van from the Ninja Turtles, the van from the Ninja Turtles also has a shell on top of it. <laughs> Alright, so uh, very similar to today. But the first thing I noticed when when they showed the ship and it had the bill in the front, I thought, man, if I was a kid, I'd want that spaceship as a toy. <laughs> like, I don't know how yeah. much merchandi merchandising they did, but right off the bat, like, action figure sales, perfect. Well, within the show, they talk about merchandising a lot. The manager of the team they do, Jim not Belushi. only talks about merchandising he also then looks at the camera breaking the fourth wall and says cartoon show if you youtube mighty ducks cartoon the second art the second link is just a nine minute video of all of their fourth wall breaks there, there's a lot i haven't watched it because of spoilers i'm gonna watch it at the end of it <laughs> but there's a lot there's a good amount just in these two episodes i was surprised for a show in the 90s i didn't think that was that big of a thing i'm looking at my notes here one of my favorite things in episode two, when they're getting ready to go get Lord Draconis, and they're loading up on weapons and stuff, they hand out weapons they just created. Here's a puck cannon, and here's a puck gun. Lord Draconis has magic and lasers, and they're like, I got a big-ass slingshot that shoots hockey pucks. Let's go take on the greatest villain in the universe. And speaking of guns, they one of the first places they go when they enter our dimension, mm -hmm. they go to a comic book store that has a huge water gun section. Already loaded with water! <laughs> loaded with water! And they shoot it and say, they must have some weird wars on this dimension. Which, he didn't realize it was a toy gun? He could have murdered he someone. He I thought this was an actual firearm and then shot his homie with it in the face! This guy has seen war. He has no... He knows what he's doing. He was willing to murder someone in that store. Oh. I, I don't know. It, it was definitely a trip. Definitely worth it. Um, I think I went through... All of my notes. Tom, you got more notes? I see you got some bullet points. I have some bullet points. I have one quote. Aw, oh, man, someone give me a donut. Does she always have to blow things up? That's one sentence. <laughs> I don't remember the context. <laughs> but I remember someone said, Aw, oh, man, someone give me a donut. Does she always have to blow things up? I want that as my epitaph. <laughs> That's a good thing to have. But... Was there a wager that next time she blows something up, do you owe me a donut? Uh, Maybe it was mentioned and it was cut out for, for time. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, script edit. I read an interview with, with David Wise who, who did most of the script outlines. I don't think he wrote all of the scripts. What he would do, he would like write an outline and then gave them to his team like to flesh out and like finalize. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a joke earlier that they had to, to cut for time or animating restraints. And these are crime-fighting ducks on Earth. 
they stop some muggers. I'm not sure if it was an organized... It might have been some gang. It looked like a biker gang. Look, Yeah, so we'll say it was a gang. They beat them up. They stopped the mugging from happening. They don't tie them up at all. They throw them in a trash can simply for the pun of taking out the trash. Yeah. They don't call the cops. They just leave. Job done. They're in the trash. They won't ever do this again. We don't have to stop them. And then I just have here the word ninjerks written out. Yes. Which make, I, I think I like that pun. I love that. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> because after after stopping this biker gang, they continue driving. I didn't realize Anaheim was this crime ridden. <laughs> Not anymore. After, st- after stopping this biker gang, they keep driving and then they see a bank being blown up from the inside. By two ninjas. Like, not even, like, guys in masks, but two full-on people in, like, ninja garbs with bandanas and, like, like tight bodysuits. But they don't know how to use kung fu. And I think one of them had a weird contraption that they jumped up to sit in. I don't... Some, like, the laser cannon they used to break into the to the safe, I think. And this, the Mighty Ducks defeated them no problem, which, to the surprise of no one. And then, again... It's um, it's always nosedive with these quick quips. The the, the snotty little brother, I, I I I like him. He called them ninjerks. I like that enough that I wrote it down. Yeah, that was a good pun. One I never heard before, which is surprising for something in the nineties. I feel like anything that was ever clever like that was hit over the head repeatedly. But yeah, ninjas were real popular in the nineties. Everything had a ninja movie. And I never heard the term ninjerks before. Yeah. It was a good pun. Um, let's see what else I got here. Oh, um, the uh, one of Draconis's henchmen, whatever it's called, the shape-shifting one. Yes. At some point in part two, shape-shifts into Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> and then at one point in episode one, he shape-shifts into Groucho Marx. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the duck dimension that's only lasted for a thousand years comedians from whatever the 50s 60s whatever is that whatever era regardless that those human comedians exist within draconis and the ducks dimension. and the thing is it wasn't duck versions of these comedians it was a human version of these yes. comedians which means it's not that puck world has their own duck equivalent it means Groucho Marx is in this universe, like canon, an interdimensional, like interuniverse traveler. <laughs> like he has the ability to go from our human Earth to this Puck World Earth. Which now makes me speculate about the evolution. I think these ducks might have evolved from us, not us evolving from them. Okay, so. If they're referencing humor, that means that happened previously. So their past is Groucho Marx and Curly. So they have evolved from Groucho Marx and Curly into these ducks. Okay, hear me out. Here's what I'm thinking. So it's Groucho Marx and Curly, which are both comedians. Somehow, in this universe, comedians, if they get drinking enough... Car, drinking coffees. <laughs> in cars. In cars. If they, if they get enough laughs, they have the power to travel through universes, I'm assuming. Because not just like your average Joe Blow stand-up comedian gets to do it. It's, it's these big stars from back in the day. They have to get enough laughs to power their their interdimensional travel. Who's the first comedian? The first? The first. I'm sure it has to be some ancient Greek philosopher who had some witty comment about Aristotle or something, right? Yeah, probably something. I'm assuming. 
He <laughs> had enough laughs outside of the amphitheater one day. Like, he's like, hey, Plato, your shoelace is untied. Ha ha, you're wearing sandals. You don't have shoelaces. And everyone's like, ha ha. And, and then, then he invented shoelaces. <laughs> poof. He disappears to Puck World. A couple other comedians from ancient Greece show up. They're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And because they're ancient Greeks, the only thing in their society they had besides it was philosophy, war, and the only other thing they had was fornication. These ancient Greek philosophers just populated the world, and then through evolution, thousands of years ago, they turned into ducks. That's my headcanon. I don't disagree. And I think it's going to be interesting to continue watching the series and see what hints and clues the creative team has left for us to decipher <laughs> to the history that. of their of their ancient Greek time-traveling friends. <laughs> I did like the one time they used a puck transition animation. Mm-hmm. Just once. They don't do it for every scene. <laughs> one time at the start of part two, they use a puck with like a, a, yeah. a tail behind it. And it was a very hard cut too. A lot of the transitions have been like, okay, we're in this room, we go to that room. Or like, uh, Jim Belushi's explaining the story and they cut to the next scene. This was just a, we need to go from this planet to this planet and we have no transition. In there. Hard cut. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting creative thing because like, in a kid's show, how do you write that into transition, like, narrative-wise from one scene to the other? You, you're just going to have to j- jump the gun and do it. And then th- they, they did it with a buck. Yeah. Oh, and, and this, uh, the Jim Belushi, the manager, mm-hmm. he needs players for his Mighty Frogs team. Yes. Because the players moved to Piscataway, New Jersey? So, so he's... He's the manager, but not the owner, I think. The owner moved them to New Jersey, but because he's he's the manager of Anaheim and not the team, he so he stays behind in Anaheim <laughs> in, because there's still the empty stadium? a venue or stadium there. And he, all he needs is to find players, and rather than holding tryouts or anything, he comes across these athletic-looking ducks who happen to also play hockey. But then, but then at the same time, they have to, like, is the NHL, like, already in season? Did, at some point, are the Mighty Frogs going to have to play the Mighty Ducks? Which I think would be an interesting crossover. That could be the finale, for all we know. It, that could be the final face-off. <laughs> How great would it be if the final face-off just, was just three seconds to go, the ref is dropping the puck... At, at, at one of the side platforms in, in the hockey rink of, like, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. Like, it's literally the final, like, face-off in hockey and not, like, a go- intergalactic not final face-off. Goal. Yes. <laughs> not even the goal. It's just who wins the face-off wins the game. I hope that's what it is. That's how they do triple overtime in, in, in puck work. Just win a face-off. <laughs> but, um... The Mighty Ducks going to Jim Belushi. I liked how they mentioned. Do you remember the name of the team that they played? Like the like the tough guys. Uh, I can't remember. Like the Bruisers or whoever they were. Jim Belushi says they've been kicked out of every league. How many hockey leagues do they have? <laughs> like right now, we have the NHL, which is the major leagues. We have the AHL, which is the American Hockey League, like the equivalent of their minors. Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple like private clubs who like are in like a big national league. So he says he got kicked out of every club, like every league. Does Are he mean... they not in the top league then? That would make me think, if they kicked out of every league, this is the worst league and 
the only one that yes. is looking for teams. So they got kicked out of presumably the NHL. They got kicked out of the AHL, which means they're at at, at best third tier teams. And then when the Mighty Ducks, it would make sense based off the level of competition they have. Like I was yes. saying. And then when the Mighty Ducks beat them, this guy was like, "These guys are ready for the pros." After marginally beating that they scored the first two holes after marginally beating the bruisers. <laughs> they had to rally back. Yeah. He was like, these guys are ready for the big leagues. <laughs> and they gave up two goals to the worst hockey team you've ever seen play hockey. But um I'm interested in this in my mind. I'm curious. I'm gonna keep watching and figure out who wins in a fight. I'm gonna go wild wing or Gritty, the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. Ooh, Gritty's tough. Gritty's gritty. Gritty's gritty. And Gritty has a Gritty's ridiculous tough. backstory, just as ridiculous. He also lives in an underground layer underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, what's the name of the of the Flyer Stadium? Like the Flyers hockey rink? Oh, Wells Fargo. Okay, yeah, it is. But um have you ever have you ever been to a to a Philly sports game? Yes. So so uh just so so we were driving in the airport and we drove by them. I think it's great on how all three Philly sports venues are at the same intersection. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could throw a baseball from all three stadiums. No, it, that's great. Other. I love that. That's one of my favorite places it, it, to go It, it must be awful parking when there's, like, more than one game going yeah, on. They <laughs> like, do share parking. It's, it's very convenient. Stuff. But, yeah, no, that's something I really like. They must have wild tailgate parties. Yeah, I went to one game, uh, one St. John's basketball game against oh, Villanova, okay. mm-hmm. where they played at Wells Fargo, and we came in on a bus and drove through their tailgate and I think it was the first time any of us ever drove through that parking lot to see it <laughs> it put us to shame St. John's on campus games or even Madison Square Garden games we have nowhere close to the level of enthusiasm this team had they were also like ranked first in the nation at that mm-hmm. time but it was a sea of people and this is this is just amateur this this, this is college <laughs> this isn't even their pros but this is the equivalent of the same league that the Connecticut Bruisers okay also I think he specifically mentioned, no, 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 the Connecticut Bruisers, the very first game they played were, was against the Connecticut team. I don't know where the Bruisers are from. I'm assuming the Bruisers must be, like, from some private minor league club based out of California, which means they're not good enough to be on a national scale. They're specifically just state level. Yeah. Well, I think that ha- that's all my notes. I'm not sure if you had any of it. No, I think that's all. I had three pages of notes. Granted, it's double-spaced. I skipped one while writing them, but I think that's everything. Uh, the only thing I have to mention, I didn't really have a chance to shoehorn this in. At one point, they reference a pair of mountains called the Twin Beaks, which I thought was clever. Mm-hmm. And then also in the press release, they referred to Jim Belushi's character as a cell phone, like like a fast-talking cell phone salesman because he's on the cell phone all the time. And they spelled cell phone C-E-L hyphen phone, which just from a linguistic standpoint, I thought it was interesting on how the spelling of cell phone has changed in the last two decades. Yeah, that is interesting. Because mm-hmm. it comes from cellular. And yeah. Like, at oh. one point, that was the agreed upon way to spell cell phone, and then when more people got cell phones, like, ah, forget the hyphen, add a second L, we'll call it a day. Yeah. But, um... I also... Yeah. There was a wide range of reactions that the average person had when seeing the Ducks for oh, yeah. the first time. Some would freak out. Others would just be comic store owners like, hey, what's up? Oh, you're looking for a hockey rink? <laughs> you're lucky. It's across the street. <laughs> Conveniently. But yeah, I would be freaking out if I saw English-speaking standing Ducks 
larger than the average human. See, my first reaction was... In gear as well. Especially in the gear, I would probably think it's a costume. I probably wouldn't react. Just like, I would probably just like, oh, is there a Comic-Con going on today? <laughs> yeah. Um, are the furries out? Although they'd be not furry, they'd be... Featheries. Featheries. Yeah. Also, something I noticed, ducks only have four fingers. Humans have five fingers in the show. Huh, humans do have five. Fingers are always something I pay attention in animation because I want to see how, how they do hands. Mm-hmm. And ducks only have have four fingers. Th- three fingers and a thumb. I don't know why they just didn't animate the fifth finger on them. But, um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else or should we... That's it for me. Okay, cool. Um... So this is the first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm planning on getting a... I'm going to try and get a couple special guests. So it's not just BDE Drink Podcast Part 2 as we talk about a 90s cartoon. I'm going to see if I can get some interesting people to come on. Um, I'm also going to plug BDE Drink Podcast, the other podcast that we do on the same network. Also, if you want to... See, three people who don't do improv try improv. There's one pilot episode of the Who's Cooking Dinner podcast, which I thought I've been trying to research improv more. And what hit me was people normally get a prompt from the audience or a prompt from somewhere to do improv, and they base it off of that so they have some sort of structure. We didn't do that. We just, like, let's just talk. So it just instead of being three comedians doing improv, it was just three jackasses talking about nothing, which is... <laughs> Going back and listening to it, I think that's why there's so many dress spells in the comedy. There's nothing to go off of. It was just a... Okay, quick. So who's going to say something funny? No one? All right, I got nothing to go off of. <laughs> but um, we have the first episode and possibly the only episode of Who's Cooking Dinner on the BDE Broadcast Network YouTube channel also. Um, we have a Twitter for this. You can find us at The Mightiest Quack um, on Twitter. Quack! Yeah, yeah thanks, Tom. <laughs> And then, um, lastly, I would like to plug, don't drink and drive. Uh, call an Uber, call a friend. If, if you need to, hit us up on Twitter. I'll, I'll respond. I'm not doing anything. I'll try and help you somehow. Don't do it. It's not safe. Don't, don't get high and drive either. Do, be safe, be responsible, call a friend. Um, all right, that's all I got. I'm going to, I'm going to try and do that. I think I'm going to end all of my episodes plugging something helpful. Like, responsible. <laughs> I just have to come up with a list of 13 responsible things to do. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's responsible. Uh, I'll try to do my own. Uh, okay. Mine, drink water. It's a great way to stay hydrated. Yeah. Um, you got anything to plug? Um, what Mike Besides said. Besides water. Yeah. Uh, water. Um, selling it in my backyard. I got a hose running. Uh, come quick. <laughs> We're going to close the water line off soon. Uh, just the hose. Just the hose. Just the house will have water. Well, yeah, that's it for me. Um, international expert Hannah, do you have anything to plug? Uh, senior executive <laughs> producer Shannon, anything to plug? All right, uh, perfect. Uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of The Mightiest Quack. We will be signing off. The uh, way ducks always say goodbye. Quack! <laughs> All right, oh, I had a... <laughs>